books but i've never wanted to pay for a book of sex <laughs> yeah not once <laughs> good evening welcome to two maddening hours of horror and fright Candy the final girl. Somebody who should be dead is alive, or somebody who should be alive is already dead. And I'm Sean of the Dead. Any humiliation which stood in his way could be swept aside by the simple act of annihilation. Murder. Oh, and I'm Erica. Um, when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. Awesome. And tonight, on the House of Screams, we are talking about the 1982 Jalo classic Tenebrae by Dario Argento. Um, I've been so excited to do this episode for so long that I put it on hold for months until I was ready to do it. And now that I'm starting out, I'm not prepared to start out, so I'm just going to like talk about stuff. Um, Tenebrae, I'm going to start with that word. Like When Joe Bob did this recently on The Last Drive-In, he started talking about Latin, and I studied Latin. Now, when we see the word tenebrae as it's written on most of like the artwork, um, usually the Italian, um, the artwork or the, uh, the movie itself, it'll say tenebrae, T-E-N-E-B-R-E, because it can mean shadows or darkness. That tenebrae means mostly darkness. Now, the way that it's spelled generally um, and how we spell it here, it, tenebrae, T-E-N-E-B-R-A-E. Now, the A-E is a plural means i think it means more shadows is my interpretation of it like we kind of called it shadows because it's a plural so and that makes sense within this film this film has a lot of twists um obviously the a famous twist um in the, the last act of the film but i think there are other twists in between um which argento is well known for like playing with the rules of giallo adding some different elements but this doesn't have um supernatural which i like you know when i like a when i like a giallo film giallo films are, are mostly crime thrillers and i think he really cashed in on that with this film because um you know with you know his other works like people of suspiria but then we've got the witches and you know there's all these uh other worldly elements which were the influence of daria nicolodi who is great in this movie by the way as Anne. but um this one is more of a straight giallo and i like that and uh, I thought all the performances were brilliant, but that's my start and you guys go with that wherever you want to. 
I guess I'll go next. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I had I had seen this like quite a long time ago, and then recently revisited it because it was on the last drive-in. Um, like I, I guess like as far as Argento's earlier early-ish work, um, like this is a solid movie, but I guess I do favor his supernatural films a bit more. Um, that said, I mean it's. Um, it, it's it's an interesting film. It's like uh, very well paced. There's like some really, uh, really inventive, nasty kills in it. So I mean, you're not going to be bored. I I definitely do prefer the Suspiria type um, Argento films, though. Honestly, um, so that's probably kind of just impacted my experience a bit. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the opposite. Um, we talked about when we did uh, Suspiria, like. I'm not much of a Jallo fan and you know, I know Dave wasn't either and it just, it's not, I've seen a couple of, of Argento films and I'm actually, I actually enjoyed this one more than I did uh, Suspiria and uh, Inferno. And I'm, you know, when it comes to Italian horror, I'm more of a Fulci guy. Yeah, like Fulci. Yeah. Fulci is right up my alley. Um, Argento is is never really like like hooked me. And the first time we watched this, I wasn't. I was kind of on the fence. I wasn't really sure if I liked it or not. But then you know we've watched it subsequent times. And when we watched it on the last drive-in, you know, of course, Joe Bob always has like some great info. You know, mm-hmm. some some behind the scenes stuff, some some trivia and things like that. And it, from watching it you know, on the last drive-in and hearing the things that Joe Bob says and getting kind of like that backstory behind it, it actually made me appreciate the film that much more. Uh, I think there's some some great twists in this that I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna get in and the, the cinematography is amazing and the fucking score is phenomenal. Oh my God, the score, don't get me started. <laughs> Why not? Go ahead and get started. I think, <laughs> the the soundtrack to this and i know it is not like the biggest hit from like goblin or a sort of goblin but this is my favorite song that even features anybody from goblin in it like the the main track tenebrae i i listen to it on repeat i fucking love the way it builds up it's got the organ in there it's got a little bit of disco it's like it's something different and i i really it's a, it's so addictive it gets stuck in my head and so I'll get it stuck in his head. And nothing's worse than having a song stuck in your head that has no lyrics. You can't sing it. You're just kind of humming the tune. You know, going around. I, I love it. So, you know, that's that's a, some bold words for me. Um, like, oh, it's, it's better than Cisferia? Yeah, it is. It, I think it's the best score. Um, and I love Goblin score for Dawn of the Dead. But, I mean, like, I'm sorry. This is, this is better. Whatever yeah, they did they, here was better. And they used some of the uh, unused audio from that they did for uh, dawn of the dead as well they did. Hmm. as background music <clears throat> interesting can i talk about architecture for just a second it will play in um the architecture so i love how people question argento and i think joe bob touched on this um the you know well why are all your movies you know set and there's not these you know it's all about these wealthy people and whatever and he's like well and his explanation is like some out of left field fucking shit <laughs> he's like well basically this thing happened and most of the people died 
so the population's way low, but everyone who lived is very wealthy. I'm like, <laughs> so you took an easy answer and you just made it as complicated as you could. <laughs> right. like, you, I'm more confused by your answer than I was anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we have it set, you know, especially that famous crane shot, which, you know, the three minute crane shot, which is basically a music video for this awesome song. Because the rest of it, like, was it worth all that, Argento? Was it really? To have that crane flown in and how much millions it costs to do that shot, was it worth it? No. Well, but, the, and the, the funny thing to touch on the crane thing real quick is when they distributed it in the U.S., they were like, we're going to cut this scene out because it has no relevance whatsoever. And he was like, absolutely fucking not. I mean, he to his guns. Yeah. Yeah, he did. I spent a lot of money doing that shot. Like, fuck yeah, I was going to stay in. And what what kills me is how heavily edited it was when it came, when they distributed it here. But That's insane, that, yeah. But the, but they didn't cut that out, right? You know. Um. But yeah. So like with the architecture, it's like you have this wonderful moment where you can show this classical. I mean, some of the best architecture in the world, in my opinion, because I studied classical architecture, is in Italy. But he wants to show that like really like sleek ultra modern Mussolini shit. And I'm like, mm. no, why don't we get the good architecture? But you know, it's part of his explanation is everything's ultra modern and most of the people are dead and everybody else is wealthy. And I'm like, and they choose this architecture. Okay. Cause it looks like shit and it's boring. So yeah, if we, if we had a three minute crane shot of like some great architecture, I wouldn't complain, but it's this mostly the, the tiling on the roof. Like, okay, sure buddy. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, that, that scene, it just, you know, mu music aside, the music is what made that scene. But yes, it's just like, it just keeps going and going. And you're just like, okay, come on. Like, <laughs> let's get to the fucking point here. <laughs> yeah, and then that being said, though, I think with this being more of a traditional giallo, which I like those, you know, they're based on like the crime novels and you know, and, and that is actually, I feel like, you know, um, Argento was sort of poking fun with that because, you know, they're like, well, you're not doing traditional giallo films or whatever. But so we have Peter Neal, our main character is a crime novel writer. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, supposedly Argento and Daria backed him up on this, that he was getting calls from a stalker and, you know, he incorporated that into it. But it's, it's like, um, you know, it, it at its heart is a crime story and um i think what's fun with that is when you take the supernatural out you really just have a crime story with like horror elements i mean obviously we have you know our typical like insanity type thing that has to happen in all these kind of movies but but there's so many twists that you know the first time i watched it i could have never guessed i never would have guessed just like detective germani like he never figures out the killer in these books but he, he keeps reading them and so he's like, I'm reading your current book and, you know, but it's causing these murders to happen. And so I think that's a neat place to start the story. Yeah, I think that that's probably the thing that I like the most about this is the fact that it is mostly a straight crime story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being a fan of, of true crime and, you know, crime fiction and things like that, it, it definitely appeals to me. And, you know, when you talk about the the whole stalker aspect, uh, deranged fan. I mean, that's, you hear that all the time, you know, especially from celebrities. 
<clears throat> they have crazed stalkers. I mean, look at, you know, um, what Jodie Foster had to deal with. Oh, God. Oh, you yeah. Know? I mean, just there, there are some crazy fucking people out there. And, you know, so it's interesting that it's based off of that. Um, and the fact that, you know, he takes this trip to Italy to promote his book. And that's where the, you know, the stalker is you know and and you know you would think that like you know if you're a famous writer in america like your stalker would be you know present at your home base but no he goes you know to the other side of the world and bam he's you know thrown into this whole mix right off the bat well and that's where it pulls from you know argento's stalker because that happened in the u.s and he's italian right yeah that's the aspect and I, I think I read that he based some of it off of um, some murders that had occurred when he was in Los Angeles. And he said, like, the greatest horror is the person that kills for no reason. Right. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, I gotta say, that twist near the end, though, it's like, huh, okay. So first, I don't know, I don't know if we want to get into spoilers, but it seems oh, like yeah. Go ahead. a lot of this film is like, um like the author is is kind of defending himself from accusations that his books glorify you know violence against women and uh, promote misogyny and that kind of thing and then you have that twist ending (laughs) so it's like well (laughs) right yeah and i think it's interesting like oh i'm sorry go ahead Oh, yeah. I also found it interesting since, uh, you know, Argento's films were criticized for those same reasons. Uh, You know, not that I don't enjoy the hell out of his early films, but I mean, I think there's some validity to those, you know, that reading of of at least some of his work. Um, And then some of his personal actions do kind of uh, lend themselves to that, too. So I'm just like, well, yeah, okay. Right. And I felt like, you know, Argento took that kind of criticism and doubled down with this movie. Like, oh, okay. Is that what you think? Well, I'm going to do it so much. I'm going to do it like so much in your face. And right, right. So this, this whole film felt like a fuck you to a lot of uh-huh. people, you know? Um, so it was, a, it was a mix of so many different things. And I think, you know, Anthony Franciosa, who I guess was tremendously hard to work with, um, according to Argento and... I don't know, but not just according to him, according to a lot of people, he was hard to work with, but he's really, really great at this role. Um, when he needs to overdo it, he does, which is later. Um, when he needs to be, you know, just kind of chill and sedate, he, he can pull that off too. Like he does a really good job, keeps you guessing. Um, but I mean, uh, yeah, we'll get to the ending in a minute, but like, you know, I, I really, I really think that, um, like the, like the woman, the, the first victim, the one who's on the cover of that new Synapse mm-hmm. version, was beating her the paper and, and cutting her with a razor, you know? Like, that was that fuck you. And like, yeah, violence towards women. Yep, it's all over the place. Here we go. We're going to start off with it. And she's offering to pay for this book that she stole with sex. And we're just going to be okay with that. And she's got this, like, ridiculous outfit. Why does everybody have to be undressing in this movie to die? It seems like almost everybody's getting naked. And then yeah. that's when they die. Like, like we gotta, like we gotta do that, you know. So there, there's some interesting choices. Oh yeah. <laughs> and 
Yeah, with Anthony Franciosa, it's like, I feel like he's working with Germani because we know that he's not the killer. Um, and, and, I mean, he's pretty good at convincing the audience because, well, I mean, he's not. He's not the killer. Not yet. Anyway. Yeah. Spoiler! Um, <laughs> but it's almost like, you know, Tenebrae was unlocking, and it was a British guy in Italy that was stalking him and doing all the killing and sending the letters. So, you know, so he's like telling Germani basically how to solve the case, what you need to do, you know, sort of the quote that I use, like somebody who should be dead is alive or somebody who should be alive is already dead and, and telling him basically how to solve the case. But, um, you know, this is at the point where he's killed the killer. Like, hey, you know what? Good idea. I'm going to do that. You know, yeah. I'm going to do this because I had this weird flashback scenes of me murdering this woman who, you know, um, rejected me or something. It's like, okay. Yeah. Um, and those, the first time we watched this, those, those flashback scenes on the beach. Oh, yeah. Like, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Right. Like, it, 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 it threw me off because it was it was kind of jarring, like right there in the middle of the of the film. And like you get these glimpses of like this woman who's, you know, basically about to have an orgy with all of these people on the beach. And then the next thing you know, she's like deep throating that guy with her heel. Yeah. Yeah. He slapped and, her. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> yeah, those heels become a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of, um, I mean, in typical Jolla fashion, we have some red herrings, but it's sort of like, we're pretty sure that it's not Peter Neal, our main character doing this, but he's, and he's working with the detectives and he's, and he's doing everything he can. And he's got his assistant and played by Daria Nicolodi, you know, it's like, you're just, tr you're trying to figure out as well, like what the hell is going on? We have one weird shot of like the screaming in the bathroom and it's so brief and we don't know who it is we know it's a man and you know taking a pill and then everything's fine but we we never see who it is but you know on subsequent viewings you know it's him you know it's mm -hmm. peter but like uh you know because we got a weird flashback thing and then that happens you know it's like damn like some shit that happened when you were way young like you're really still fucked up about that bro like Come on. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, that's a, I think that's kind of a touch on, you know, look at, um, you know, serial killers. You know, you look back True. at their childhood and all of the things that affected them in their childhood, and then they turned out to be, you know, what they became and the correlation between those two things, you know? So, I mean, I, yeah. I not, not, not that I think it necessarily just only takes one traumatic event. I think it's a, amalgamation of of many different you know traumatic events in their lives but you know i mean i, I kind of get it i, I didn't think it's it was just, too far-fetched yeah the weird thing and i think it's brilliantly done though is like him not knowing i mean he's writing these crime novels but him not knowing or putting them together yet and when mm -hmm. the guy starts it caused the other guy to start killing because he's talking about sexual aberrations and all these other things like that um it sort of then it unlocks for him yeah, it puts it together, and he's like, "Hey, good idea, bro. I'm gonna kill you, and I'm gonna keep doing this, or I'm gonna steal your thunder." Yeah, basically, <laughs> like, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna do that. This is yeah. my thing." 
So we are, as the audience, we don't know this because we thought he got knocked out with a rock and he didn't kill the guy. And, you know, and Johnny is like starting to see, trying to put together, because that's a big thing in, in any Jalo film is there's always the character who can't quite remember. And Argento uses it a lot, like in Bird with Crystal Plumage and stuff like mm -hmm. that, where somebody can't remember what they saw because they were traumatized. But then it slowly comes back to them. And I guess he started to figure out that Johnny was figuring it out. You know, like, oh, well, uh, yeah, it was me that killed the guy. And uh, wasn't really knocked out with the rock. <laughs> yeah, so, but before we get too far, can we talk about that fucking dog? Oh, my God. And the chick. Why'd she fuck with that dog, though? That fucking dog. Holy shit. That dog oh, scared yeah. me. I'm scared of dogs anyway, but yeah. And I'm the, not person either. <laughs> The, the thing about it is, too, I, there's that one scene where it, like, leaps over that, up onto that fence. Like, holy shit. Like, I didn't know dogs like that could jump that high. Um, but he was, like, intent. Like, he, he wanted a piece of that ass. Mm -hmm. And and then all of a sudden, the dog disappears and you never see it again. Yeah. He existed just for that little plot. Right, thing, right. To get her and, to, and, to find all the stuff and then to die. Right. And, it, you know, and just the fact that that dog was in it for that brief of a period of time for that chase scene and then all of the references to, like, the Hound of the Baskervilles and things right. like that, you know? It was um, paying tribute to a lot of, like, crime novels. Right, oh, yeah. right, yeah. Stories. Yeah, I did think that was a nice touch. Like, uh, the quote I picked was from uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, novel and um, I think there's also some references to Agatha Christie and a lot of other like very famous uh, murder mystery writers so I mean, I, I do like that um, that element of this too which which makes sense since the protagonist is a mystery writer as well right yeah and another thing that I, I had read and I didn't notice when we watched it but once I read it, it kind of made sense was the scene where um, your man, John Saxon, uh, gets it in the, the plaza is that the way that it's the way that it's filmed uh, is very Hitchcockian. It is. <laughs> and so I, you know, I didn't I didn't read that they actually used Hitchcock as like influence for that, but the way that it turned out. Um, and definitely, like, once I read that and I started thinking about that scene again, I was like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, and see, we see those red heels show up and then turn around and run away. But, you know, Jane, who is his estranged wife or girlfriend, we don't really know. But he was having an affair with John Saxon Bulmer, his character. Um, that's why she's there, but you know, she's kind of used as like, maybe she did it, you know, and then she gets the red shoes and we know that's her that ran up, saw him dead and then ran away. Um, so she knows some stuff and that's why she's like toying with a gun. Like, I'm going to kill myself. She's talking to Anne, you know, Darian Nicolay's character. I'm going to kill myself and, and, you know, Anne's like, okay, well, where are you? I'm, I'm going to come see you. Like, you don't need to kill yourself. Even though like she's annoyed with Jane. Everyone's annoyed with Jane. <laughs> Basically, Jane's just annoying, but she has a great death. Um, oh, yeah, that one was amazing. So she's got the gun and she's kind of playing with it. And she's like, oh, well, Anne's here. Not Anne, but you get that arm cut off. And then, you know, we got that <laughs> goblin soundtrack playing and she's screaming, spraying blood everywhere. I mean, it was a cool death artistically. Yeah, it was really awesome. It really was. 
And that's uh, Quentin Tarantino. So that's his favorite on-screen death ever. I mean, it's a great scream. It's it's a great like spray of blood. It's very artistic. It's on that white wall. You know, it just looks really cool visually. Yeah. And that's you know that's another thing that I will say about these films. And I I can't necessarily say it was a staple of like you know the seventies, but the color that they used for the blood. And you saw that mm. in you know Dawn of the Dead. Uh, you see it in this. You see it in a couple other uh, Argento well, films. Not adding the green, right? Make it look more realistic. Yeah. Which is uh, whose uh, recipe was that? Dick Smith's. I, I believe so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was for blood because Tom yeah. Smith's like, yeah, Dawn of the Dead. I hadn't learned that recipe yet, basically. But I like it because all Jello uses that kind of blood. Yeah. You know, um, of that time period, seventies, uh, eighties. Um, 80s, Jello kind of died out, but, um, you know, I, I like that that's kind of a, um, a hallmark or a staple of it, like that kind of blood, because it usually looks really cool. Yeah, it's very vibrant and especially a splashing along that white, you know, background. It's just, it's so bright. Mm hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So there's like a lot of white backgrounds, white clothing, and it's yeah. like, like all the, the death scenes seem to, it's like if a character is wearing pristine white clothing, they're probably going to die horribly. <laughs> yeah, white clothing or naked. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> Either one. No. Sometimes it's how like she... This, she has like one boob hanging out. I don't know. Like <laughs> she has like one breast out. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so what are we doing with this one breast thing? Yeah. And yeah, and okay. and their nipples are constantly hard as a rock. So it's like there's somebody <laughs> off off screen with an ice cube. I'm fluffing their nipples. <laughs> in, 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 in between in between takes. Nipple yeah. right here. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that death. That's that's probably my favorite death in this whole this whole film. Yeah, um, I love John Saxon in this role. And what's really cool about him doing this film, one, I mean, he was proficient in Italian. So, mm -hmm. you know, he was, he was uh, bilingual. So he started out in what is considered the first Jalo film, which is The Girl Who Knew Too Much by Mario Bava. And um, so him in 1982 returning to Jalo was pretty cool um, to, for him to do this film. And I know Crystal, who couldn't be here tonight, was like, you know, the real star of the movie was his hat. Because you know, he was obsessed <laughs> with that hat. You know, we all knew John Saxon was balding. It's like his whole career, he, he never had any hair. And they had him in a hairpiece sometimes, but he, he was bald, like, from when he was young. But yeah. so he was attached to that hat. But He looked damn good in it, too. He did. He did yeah, look good in that hat. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but so I, I think it's neat. So, like, the 1963 film... The Girl Who Knew Too Much is considered the first Jalo, so if you haven't seen it, you should check that out. Um, Baba was a lot more straightforward, like straight from the the Jalo, you know, meaning yellow books of crime and murder that these were based on. And um, so, you know, he returns, and he returns in one that is pretty much strictly a Jalo that's kind of comment, commenting on Jalo books in general, or the culture, or what surrounds, you know, anything to do with Jalo. So I think this is more of like a commentary film, a fuck you film. And I think he did a really, really great job on it. Okay. Um, so I'll keep going. Um, Sorry. Like <laughs> I kept, I kept trying to, I kept 
pressing the mute button to unmute and it wouldn't, it wouldn't unmute. <laughs> Did you want to add to that? No, I was just going to say, you're right. I think it's interesting that it's to make a film that's a, a commentary on the same genre that the film is in. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, I hadn't thought of it that way. And, and the books you, on which they're based. Right. Yeah. And, and so to hear you put it that way, I'm like, yeah, damn, that's, that's kind of deep. I think so. And I think, you know, I, I like Argento, um, but he doesn't always do it for me. There's some that I'm just like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed kind of movies. Um, mm -hmm. But when he does well, he does a great job. Like yeah. the bird with the crystal plumage really put him on the map. And that's one of my favorites. But uh, and, and I love this one. This film is really beloved by both Argento fans and non-Argento fans. Because I've had a lot of people like, when are you going to do Tenebrae on the show? You know, because you should do Tenebrae. And I'm like, oh, all the Argento films are going to come to me with that. Like, I don't really like Giallo. I don't like Argento, but I love Tenebrae. So it's, it's kind of one of those films that's like, it works as a standalone. Like people who aren't maybe necessarily into Giallo films or maybe not into Argento films, they love this movie. And um, I think there's a, it has a lot to sell. And so I, I get it. I totally get it. Maybe if you don't like Argento's other work, you might like Tenebrae. Because this is different. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the boat I'm in. You know, I mean, <laughs> I've, I haven't watched a lot of Argento, but I've seen, you know, the ones that, that people talk about the most. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's uh, a lot of them are, are kind of hit and miss. I mean, I'm not going to say that they're bad, um, but... <laughs> Some of well, the newer some are not great. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the ones that I've seen, I didn't think were like terribly bad, but you know, some I, I think they for me they left uh, something to be desired. But you know, watching this one, like I said, the first time I watched it, I wasn't really into it that much, and so I was kind of ready to like chalk it up with the rest of the Argento, you know, library that I've seen, but when we went back and watched it a second time and then a third time with Joe Bob, I, I got a better appreciation for it. I think that you would like Baba's work probably the best as far as Jolo goes, because while Fulci is kind of looped into Jolo, he's really more Italian horror. If you want right. to get specific, I love Fulci just because it's so over the top and so fucking crazy and just gore fest. I like that shit, but mm -hmm. it's not really Jolo. I think you would like Baba because Baba was a by the book, you know, set the standard. Baba started this movement and Argento made it famous. So it's important to know where everybody lies in conjunction. I mean, like Baba's dead, Fulci's dead. Argento's still around because he was doing this young. His dad was producing his movies. Um, you know, um, Lamberto Baba was like his DOP for a long time. And Lamberto Baba went on to do like demons and stuff like that as a director but it really all goes back to mario baba and um and his were straight like crime mystery stuff and yeah. um so this was a nice callback to the, you know this is the person who really brought uh Jalo to mainstream saying i'm gonna go back to the roots of what Jalo is and and i think that in doing that it gave people maybe that that appreciation maybe made them want to look into other films and the genre like i like this so maybe you know i would like some baba films now mm -hmm. baba did some supernatural stuff but for the most part 
especially starting out, it was traditional giallo. And yeah, so I, I like this out of our gem systems the most. I gotta say that because it brought the Argento flair in mostly the right ways to a traditional set of uh, rules. It, there's no ghosts, there's no demons or witches or anything else. It's just, it's poking fun at Jalos while being a Jalo. It's, I don't know, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, I don't know. I think that dog's a fucking demon. Yeah. <laughs> but why does she fuck with that dog, though? I know she was not, <laughs> but I would never fuck, especially with a German Shepherd. I would yeah. be like, oh, I'm not going to fuck with that dog. I'm just going to be mad and stomp down the street or something. Yeah, that fucking dog was vicious looking. I wouldn't fuck with it. She she was almost like final girl tough. Like, then she got through the dog attacks after dog attacks. She gets through... <laughs> The basement, she's collecting all this stuff in her itty-bitty skirt. <laughs> and and she's getting ready to expose, and she she gets killed. Now, what my question is, and, and this is a plot hole for me, is so she gets killed, and she had all that stuff on her. She, she was throwing it, but she still had stuff on her. And then you see the lawnmower running over, but it's still enough that, like, if the police really comb the area, couldn't they find something? What the hell? They didn't find yeah, anything. They I, don't yeah, know. I feel like there's always a lot of plot holes with Argento films. You just kind of have to roll with them and not like overanalyze stuff, in my opinion. Yeah, because when you start overanalyzing, it's, you start seeing these glaring. Well, <laughs> think about think about the uh, the axe hidden in the tree. Mm-hmm. Like like it was so openly obvious that there was an it axe in the tree, <laughs> right? And so, how bad are these fucking detectives? When they go well, investigate a crime Germani, scene. Well, who's like a bumbling doofus. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like Detective Germani. There's something about him that I had, like, sort of a crush on him. Maybe his character or something. But he was not smart. Did you ever figure out the killer? No, never. <laughs> what the fuck are you a detective? <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> see, that was after we've had Peter kill um, the, the, the main murderer. And he's like, so you never figure out the killer? Never. And he's kind of like, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Smug little bastard. Yeah. So he's just he's just fucking with these this cop, this detective. The whole time, you know, especially like at first he's working with them, then he starts taking over, and he's like, oh, you're never gonna figure it out. You're stupid. And he right. kind of, and what does he do for it? He dies because he's stupid. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just the... a little too late. That's the thing, too, when you're the killer, but you're working alongside with the police, like, you're privy to all that information, like, like you know exactly where they're looking, so, you know, you yeah, can change and, up your and tactics and he, at any able time. to build a relationship with Germani because he wasn't doing it for most of the movie. He wasn't yeah. the killer. So he already had this established relationship with Germani, who was telling him to get out of town, and he's like, okay, I will, and he doesn't. Yeah. But Germani kind of trusts him at this point. He's like, well, he's been working with me, and I know it's not him because he never figures out the murderer. But except that one moment, he's like, Anne, you stay in the car. I'm going to go in because, you know, um, Peter has, like, slashed his own throat because they found out that he killed Jane. And you're like, damn, that was, like, crazy. But, like, why would he go back in there? Right. I don't understand that. But yeah. so maybe I was thinking like maybe it finally caught up with him. He's like, I better go back in there because I think I figured something out. Like the whole somebody who should be dead is alive or somebody who should already be dead 
or somebody who should be alive is already dead, basically. Right. So he that kind of like harkens to him, and he's like, "I'm going to go back in that house," and he dies. Yeah. Because he figures out, oh, this razor's fake, and he's not here. Shit. Yeah. And then, and then my biggest argument, and Candy, I know we talked about this when we had watched it once or twice, um, was after he goes back in, she's left in the car by herself. The mm-hmm. rain is fucking beating down on that car. And all of a sudden she reacts like she hears a noise in the house. You remember that? There is no fucking way. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think she could hear anything. Yeah. Cause not only was it raining hard, they were parked like across the street you know, probably a good 300, mm-hmm. 400 feet, you know, yeah. from the front door. There's no way. And see, the rain looks artistically cool, but it didn't work for this scenario. But so what I like is um, that hideous sculpture that was a leftover. Oh, yeah. The fucking sculpture is so ugly and a death yeah. trap. And, it's a, and he reused it from another film and it was ugly in that one too but um <laughs> so like b- between the wrestling of peter and um detective germani that sculpture falls over blocks the door and Ant's trying to get in and so he manages you know peter manages to kill germani and you're like oh too bad you doofus i loved you because <laughs> uh, he was dumb but um then she finally gets that door open and he's standing there fucking kills him and I'm like, good, that sculpture needs to die with you because fuck that sculpture. But <laughs> it was a neat plot device. Mm-hmm. Sculpture foo. Yeah, of all the ways to go out, get killed by the ugliest sculpture ever. I mean, and it, it, it looks like it could kill somebody. Why would you have that in your house? Right, yeah. It's ugly, too, to boot. It's not just deadly, it's ugly. <laughs> Yeah, the moment I saw that, it's like, oh, someone's going to get speared with that thing. Oh, yeah. It's just got to happen. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so obvious. I'm like, how is, okay, how's this going to work? Somebody's going to die from this. And then, but yeah. I love the ending shot that we get, though, you know, of her, like, she kills him, and she was in love with him, and had been. That's why Jane gets on her nerves, because his ex-wife, ex-girlfriend, we don't really know, but she's screwing John Saxon, and John Saxon had to die for that. It's like, oh, we had to kill him. Mm-hmm. You didn't want her. Like, what the hell is your problem? But um, so yeah, when she she kills him by opening that door, but then she's just standing there screaming and screaming. I really like that shot. It kind of lingers. Mm-hmm. I like that end of just her screaming and standing in the rain and just kind of like freaking out. Like, it's a good ending. Like, it it stays with you because she's a great scream. Yeah, and I think you know. It- my question is uh, about that ending. She's standing there and she's screaming. Do you think that was the realization, like everything coming together, like she hadn't figured any of this out? I and think so. n- not only because at first I thought, well, she's screaming because she killed him, right? Well, and she yeah. didn't. She didn't purposely do it. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, no, I think maybe the it's it's a combination of that and the fact that she had no clue this entire time. And then when when she kills him and she sees what he's left behind, she realizes, holy shit, it's been him this whole time. I think that that was my takeaway was it was all of that. Yeah. But what do you think, Erica? Yeah, I think so, too. Just just given her reaction, I don't think she had really put much of anything together. Like, I like how it's alluded to that they're sleeping together, but we're never going to talk about this after we do it. But you yeah. can tell that she has feelings for him. 
and just like her distaste for Jane, but she's not gonna let Jane kill herself, you know, whatever. Because she's just kind of like, I just want to be with this guy. But see, Jane's problem is that she knew. She knew the whole time. But she was having an affair with the agent, but like, you know, she seems so unstable the whole time that we see Jane. Anytime, like the time where she, you know, at the beginning where she gets his stuff and like slashes it and does all that stuff to it. You know, so it makes us think that Jane is the one, you know, that's our red herring from the start. But mm -hmm. Jane's just this really unstable woman who does seem to know these secrets about him. And uh, so she's going to kill herself because, you know, her flame or whatever, you know, her his agent that she's sleeping with, you know, got killed because she didn't say anything. She's known this stuff. So I think Jane's an important character, even though she's not really in it very much. But she has talked about... And then when we do see her, she's just completely unhinged. Yeah, and and correct me if I'm wrong. Talking about red herrings, the first woman who gets killed doesn't she get killed before Peter even makes it to Italy? Right. So like, yeah. So like, right off the bat, you're under the assumption that this is ta you know obviously taking place before he gets there. Yeah, and so, he makes that point because like one happens. While he's talking to the detectives, because right, like, that's he's right, get in his, his place, they're like, "Well, another person just got killed. We know it's not you." Basically, is what they're telling him. Yeah, because you weren't even here. And so, but he gets curious, and this one character that we meet for like a brief moment, who is saying like talking about the the weird sexual aberrations and murder and cleansing and all stuff, and like he's like, "That guy's fucking weird." So it's like, that yeah. guy's the killer, and it's like, so we get these brief flashes. We have this red herring. So off the bat. You know, we know that he's not the killer, but everything points to him. And, and the detectives are working closely with him. But you're like, but I know it's not him. And that's where the movie really throws its twist at you. Like, well, it wasn't, but then it was. But now it is. Two killers. Yeah. And, and that's a common um, bait and switch or, you know, um, twist that they put on a lot of these jalos. But you're never really expecting them. So this one that's a commentary on violence against women, on, you know... Um, Argento's personal experience and Angelo itself, you know, he pulled a classic switcheroo on you. Yeah. And he did it well, too, because that, that twist at the end was like... You're just like, what? Shit. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's funny, too, because it's not one of those, like, you know, there are some movies, um, you know, classic example, The Sixth Sense, where mm -hmm. you can only see that twist ending once, and then after that, like, the movie's not the same anymore. You can't mm -hmm. go back and rewatch it. And, but this, even the second and third time we've watched this, like I, I knew, you know, I mean, I already seen it once. I knew the twist ending was coming, but it was still like, it's, it's so jarring and it all happens so quickly that it still kind of takes you, you know, maybe not by surprise, but it's still, you know, it's jarring. And that's to me, that's, you know, that's, that's good writing. That's good, good film work there. I mean, it's, um, you know, some of these movies, you, you, like I said, you see them once and that twist ending is, is ruined forever. Another example is the book of Eli. Uh, Candy, I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm Den aware of it. Yes, I know. about Denzel that. Washington, you know, and, and you go through the whole movie thinking one thing and then bam, you find out at the end and it makes you kind of rethink the entire mm -hmm. film, like what you watched. And, you know, this is, I think this is one of those t great twist endings that, you know, holds up alongside, you know, countless others, I'm sure. 
Well, when I like to go with Tenebrae meaning shadows instead of uh, darkness, there's a difference. The mm -hmm. shadows um, of this film, you know, his book's also called Tenebrae, but, and which means, you know, it's the B-R-E. So I think his book is darkness. But the, when you put the A-E on the shadows, I think there's a lot of shadows in this um, movie. And um, so every time you watch it, I mean, you, even even though you know that they're there, it's these twists or these, these new information, it's just sort of like, it still hits you really hard. That It's done effectively. And I think these are the shadows. You know, Peter Neal has a lot of shadows. In, in him, around him, he himself is a shadow. Um, I just like to go with that. Um, more so than, um, you know, some of the other interpretations. Uh, you know, it, what's funny is, you know, Christopher Walken was supposed to play Anthony Franciosa's role of Peter oh, Neal. Can you imagine Christopher Walken? Now, Christopher Walken is a great actor, but he <coughs> has been categorized. He has been, mm -hmm. you know, um, kind of pegged as, as this sort of character, sort of the straight man who's funny, but like, and he has a certain way of talking. And he's done some great dramatic roles, like the Deer Hunter. Oh my God! Oh yeah. But like um, Christopher Walken, though, in this, I can't imagine trying to. I can't imagine pulling this off. I know he could, but I can't imagine it because Anthony Franciosa is so good in this. Yeah, you're talking to me oh. all wrong. See. <laughs> weird, like patois that he has. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine. Because a lot of these films, um, especially with Italian horror, Italian uh, movies from this genre. Uh, not just this genre, but from this era, um, a lot of people were speaking different languages. And you can tell because some of them are speaking English, some are speaking Italian, and you can tell which ones are dubbed and which ones are not. Um, but they just let you speak whatever language you spoke. Yeah. Um, whatever you, yeah. you were most comfortable with. And so that's why we have some dubbing like with Dar Daria Nicolodi. Like she, her English wasn't great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I had actually read something about the uh, Italian dub and we've we've I think we've only watched the English uh, dub of this, but I, do I have read. Italian. Yeah, English. I'd like to watch it because I I read one of the it was a, a review or a comment somebody had posted that talked about like if you've only seen the Italian dub or the English dub, watch the Italian dub because it's so much better. Oh, I and hmm. So I'd I'd like to give that a shot because it's just like you know when we we talked about Karachi Tiger got all Hidden four Dragon. So. Yeah, but when I think about when we talked, when we watched, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and we <laughs> accidentally stumbled upon the English dub, and it was like, uh -uh. like get that trash out of here. Yeah, we can't like this. do this. I'm, I mostly <laughs> am a sub person. I don't like dubs, but like with some of these Italian horror and and especially giallo, a lot of them are are just dubbed because yeah. they were trying to also cater to the market in America. So a lot of them were dubbed and that's what we've seen and that's what people review. But you know, the Italian versions do exist. And sometimes like now, like when I've got this Synapse version, it does have the Italian version and the Italian dub. And I I would like to see that. I haven't gotten around to seeing it, obviously I own it, but um, I would like to see it. But you know, most of the people saw it as presented um, the way that Joe Bob presented it, he presented the one he's because he was talking about when he reviewed for the driving because this was early in his career. He saw it as insane and it was cut pretty heavily to mm -hmm. uh, meet American standards. And so it's it's a version that's released that's now that that a lot of people have seen that 
is the English dub, but it has all those scenes put back in. So it's not yeah. the insane cut. Nice. <laughs> but um, it's interesting. Unsane. Unsane does work, but it's it's kind of an odd word. It is. It's yeah. A, yeah very odd. <laughs> Tenebrae is such a better title. I like yeah. it too. It's like, it's evocative. Unsane. It's thought provoking. <laughs> it can mean a lot of different things, which you know I think is uh, indicative of you know sort of what you're getting into with this movie. It's a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, the word can be interpreted a lot of ways. Unsane is not really, we usually use insane. Mm -hmm. yeah. Unsane means, you know, more of like along the lines of like crazy, I guess. But it's just a weird word. It's an odd yeah. word. Very odd. <laughs> you would think yeah, it would be insane. I, I would like to point out, I'm sure, I'm sure you both know this, um, that this was part of the video nasties. Yep. And it's still banned in Germany. Huh. Of all places. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, definitely it was a video nasty. I mean, that first kill that we get is is very I mean, just no holds barred. Shoving paper down her throat, cutting you know, down her mouth, cutting her throat. Like, damn, you didn't have to go that hard, but I mean what a way to start the movie. Because it's pretty early on. And that's before we even meet, you know, our main characters. So uh, we see that. And, of course, there's this beautiful woman who's, you know, we got to see her naked a little bit. We gotta, she's going to change clothes. And there's something even skimpier than what she had on. With that. I don't know how she was trying to steal that book with that little tiny skirt on. Like, that wasn't the market, honey. Um, and she's going to pay for it with sex because she has to have this book. Now, I love books, but I've never wanted to pay for a book with sex. <laughs> yeah. Not once. <laughs> 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 see see me at half price books trying to yeah <laughs> yeah those ladies at half price books would be like no <laughs> yeah we're yeah. not gonna accept sex for this <laughs> i want to i want to get this half torn up copy of the stephen king novel right <laughs> we buy some questionable quality books there but you yeah know. I have some books that you can't find anywhere else that are out of print and they don't even know what they're worth. I'm like, I'm buying that for four dollars. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I've got copies of banned books. I've got copy first editions that they just overlooked. I'm like, you guys do this for a living. How do you not know this is a first edition? I'll take right. it for a dollar. Thank you. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. But I never had to pay for one with sex, so I'm just going to say that. <laughs> and that would not be the first place I went if I got caught shoplifting. So, if I have sex with you, can we be cool? Like, <laughs> hmm. I don't know. If I had to feed my family or something, I don't know. I guess I'd do some questionable things, but I don't know if that's one of them. Right, yeah. You're not going to feed my family a book, that's for sure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But, yeah, so her kill is just, you know, like a great intro. And we, we get some great kills, but, you know, like Erica said, there's a lot of white... You know, when we had the lesbian couple, they're bickering. Mm -hmm. And they're in white. The one chick always has the one breast out. And then the other <laughs> yeah. girl gets naked right before she dies. It's like, well, I better change my clothes one more time before I die. And let's make sure you get my boobs. Um, <laughs> get a boob shot in there. Uh, but it's all white. And a lot of white because, you know, the blood looks cool on it. And then, of course, we have the Argento trademark of somebody dying and hanging out of a window. That's a Argento thing. Or getting oh, killed. Yeah. 
with the window. You know, there's a, there's these trademarks of his that uh, show up, and that's one of them. So in that long crane shot, we do get to see. Well, we have that really awesome, almost goblin song playing. I really love that song, and um, and then we get we see her hanging out the window, and, and we see you know through the other window the other chick that's dead on the floor, and you know, creative. Yeah. <laughs> he was a guy who stuck to his guns on that one. I mean, I I could live with or without the crane shot, but I just like if you're gonna show off architecture, can it be like better? Not this shit. Yeah, that's <laughs> architecture to spend so much time on. Like the the crane shot was cool in a technical way, but it's like what yeah. am I looking at? Why do I have to look at that roof and the side of this building for so long? I don't know. It's like right. it almost felt like we want to make sure that you understand geographically where these women were located in this house. <laughs> Right. Like, and it just well, goes I, on and on and on and just the, the millions that he paid to have that crane over and the millions it took like three days to shoot it and it's like i don't know that i mean at that point it's not so difficult i'd just be like i'm gonna make a different choice i i honestly i think it's it's less about the visual and more about the audio i think they mm -hmm. probably handed him a three minute song and they were like mm -hmm. just try to fit this whole song in well how can i do that well let's make a three minute long scene so that we can <laughs> utilize this yeah, that definitely could be because that that musical score is awesome. Yeah, oh my god, it yes, really I is. listen to that soundtrack all the time, and then I just love that. And then it's saying like power at the beginning, which is fear. Um, and so they kind of like you know being somewhat goblin, um, you know, this prog rock kind of you know synthesized version of that. And then you got this kind of disco organ score over it with a neat beat to it. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you really can't beat that. It's yeah. really great. I love it. And so, yeah, I do like it more than the soundtrack to Suspiria. I like it more than any of his soundtracks, you know, and, and really any other Goblin work, including the gonk, sorry. Um, the gonk is fun <laughs> and goofy, but this song, like, just actually, like, I don't know, it goes through so much, it's, it's a lot. So worth it to hear the song. I'll be like, yeah, yeah, we're just gonna jam to this song for a little bit because I know these chicks <laughs> got killed. I know where they were in the house. We're we're good. I'm just gonna listen yeah. to this song. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hell, you you put it on when we were in the car and we're just driving I, down the road grooving to it. Oh yeah, like crank that shit. Good shit. So, Daria Nicolodi, um, the muse of Argento. I really think that his shit went downhill. We talked about this with uh, Suspiria once Daria and him split up. Um, but I thought she was really, really good in this. Like, really mm -hmm. good. Because we also get that great score with her screaming, she's screaming, she's in the rain, then that comes back on. Mm -hmm. You know, the, and then with the Tenebrae music, and then it, it fades back out to the credits, and I, I just really like that. I thought she was just really good in it. Yeah. You know, I really wish he would have given her more credit and uh utilized her more um in his films mm -hmm. absolutely yeah I've, I've suspected for quite a while that she may have been responsible for a lot of the the brilliant things that he did in his early films because yeah his his films after they split are like oof, man woof. They, they do not go down easy uh did Erica? Did you watch his latest? Uh, what was that? Uh, the dark, dark glasses. glasses. Dark glasses. <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, 
Boring. Was it? Okay. As I suspected, <laughs> I, I hadn't gotten there yet. Everybody's like, are you going to watch it? I'm like, eventually I will, but I'm under duress maybe, but I will. Um, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. It's like he lost, I mean, she was his muse. And um, mm-hmm. she didn't get all the credit that she deserved on Suspiria because the story was her idea. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the script was her idea. A lot of the color choices were her idea. And he barely really even gave her any credit for any of it. You know, and she brought in a lot of that uh, era of the uh, sort of like a ghostly, you know, the, the, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of the word and I, I can't think of it. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? The uh, supernatural. There we go. The supernatural stuff, mm-hmm. you know, was she kind of ushered that in. And that's sort of what put him on the map, you know, as far as like making it mainstream, like Suspiria. She was so involved in that based on a dream that she had, based on the story she came up with. And he really didn't give her any credit. So, you know, I think I would have left too eventually. Like, I'm doing this shit for you. You're getting all the accolades. Mm-hmm. You can't even mention me as a credit. You know, at least I'm acting in this. And, and um, you know, there were there were a lot of uh, things that she, you know, she had to other acting jobs. But, I mean, it's sort of like when they split, they both kind of, yeah. whatever they had together was gone. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's the thing too. Like, not only was she giving him these ideas and he was utilizing her ideas, but she was acting in his films too. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think this is her best performance in one of his films. Yeah. As Anne. Although I also really liked her performance in Phenomena. I haven't seen Phenomena in a while and I need to remedy that. <laughs> I was seeing yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite on the, uh, on the show. Chance. Yeah, you should remedy that because that's one I haven't seen. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, well, that would be a, I'm on it. That would be a fun one to sometime yeah i think it was brought up in chat and i was like yeah we should do phenomena so we'll have to fix that i'll have to make a note of it i don't think i've seen that since i was god young i was young me middle school (laughs) knew it had my chick in it that i i dug uh jennifer connelly But oh yeah. yeah yeah he's great in that too and like visually i mean he has like a cool like kind of black and white color palette with that it's very like elegant and yeah it's that's a fun movie to watch absolutely everybody's always like well what about four flies on gray velvet i'm like that bored the tits off me it was so boring um, <laughs> it's an important work and i think people should seek it out because mm-hmm. it's part of uh his animal trilogy, as he called it, like Bird of Edge and Purple and Great Velvet, blah, blah, blah. But um, it's an important film, but it's really, it's not the Argento that you're going to be expecting. This is earlier in his career. And um, it's not what you, it, it, it's slow paced. Very mm-hmm. slow. So, yeah. Um, anything else anybody would like to add that we haven't talked about? I no, I can't really think of anything. No, I think we, I think we covered the the main, the main stuff of it. Um, 
And I'm, I'm just curious to, to listeners, you can always contact me at house underscore screams on Twitter. Um, why was this such a requested episode? I mean, I get it because I love it, but I want to know what other people love about this film because I think that's a whole conversation that could be had with oh, other yeah. people as well. <laughs> like, why did you want us to cover this so much? Um, not that I minded. I'm just saying. I'm curious. <laughs> so is it time for Sean Shitty Reviews? I think so. Um, I don't. I don't have anybody to do this. The music, though. Um, I'll just do like. That's my best version of Canterbury. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Terrible. <laughs> So the uh, the Rotten Tomato score for this um, is actually super close. Um, the critics <laughs> gave it seventy nine percent, and the audience seventy eight. Nice. nice. Um, we've got some we've got some doozies here. Uh, David says we should ban this again. He peaked with plumage. Uh, I OL, disagree. OLP girl says, "Who needs story or logic when you can spray super fake looking blood at a wall?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, Arthur Sanford says, "My goodness, did these Jallo films not live up to the hype?" I just watched this, and the only thing I can remember about it is John Saxon getting some action. Yeah. <laughs> As he should. As he should. Uh, Tessa Doverman says, These poor women obviously had no time to even gather the strength to run away from their killers because all of their energy was already put into making sure their nipples were staying hard. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's valid. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Stewie George says, the only reason to watch is to see the gore. Not enough of a reason for me. The mystery is not interesting and does not make sense. And there isn't enough to make fun, nor enough scares to make it otherwise enjoyable. Boo. Uh, And I feel like I've read this for another movie. Um, Maybe this is a repeat. Um, The Anjou says, oh, fuck off. Uh, T- Tallybone says the soundtrack gave it an extra half star and maybe the arm scene too but it felt like it was three and a half hours long that was just the crane shot yeah just the uh, crane. A- Aaron time. Aaron asked the same question I asked what the fuck is wrong with that dog <laughs> <laughs> hounds of hell and last but not least um, Ro- Rodrigo Jerez says I want someone that wants me as much as that dog wants revenge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all about that dog. I saw a couple others about the dog, too. But, yeah, that was was the one thing that stood out with me was that fucking dog and him jumping up on that fence. I was like, holy shit. I would have pissed my pants. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I got chased by a German Shepherd once. Do not recommend. No, absolutely not. You know, but I think it was a neat little nod to how the Baskervilles, you know, and we're mentioning, um, like, I think Erica said that earlier, but, you know, we were talking about, you know, these different, like, crime things. It was a neat little nod, 
I thought. Well, and, and I can't speak for other Argento films because, like I said, I've only seen a few. But, you know, his use of dogs, um, I think back in Suspiria, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. the dog that, that you know, took the, the girl's throat out or took the his owner's throat out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, and I'm not familiar with other Argento films. Maybe he utilizes dogs quite often. Uh, I'm not sure, but I just thought it was interesting that those two kind of correlated. So I wasn't sure if maybe he it was like kind of a a staple that he used throughout his films were, you know, killer dogs or. Uh, not always like there, there were some unpleasant scenes involving cats and Inferno and Phenomenon has a, a trained chimp that fucks Ugh. some people up. Mm. <laughs> yeah. We talked about that with Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah, oh yeah. I don't fuck with chimps. I don't fuck mm-hmm. with monkeys in general. Cause they're, they're like evil. They will attack you. Our cats are bad enough. Yeah. (laughs) They just attack everything we own. Sometimes Mm -hmm. us. (laughs) So I guess I'll launch into mine. No, my score has wavered throughout this conversation. But I think I've settled. I'm giving it 9.5 out of 10 ugly sharp sculptures. Um, (laughs) This is almost the perfect film. Um, There's very little that I have to complain about with it. I enjoy it. I, I love the hell out of it, really, actually. I just got that, like, really sweet edition of it just because, like, it's a movie I enjoy watching I, I and I like repeat viewings because sometimes I pick up on things that I missed or I just really enjoy the ride and this I enjoy the ride of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that it's sort of a, a return to Jala Roots, but at the same time sort of poking fun at them a little bit a fuck you giving a middle finger to to other people people who may not understand or people who think they understand but they're wrong you know that kind of thing um i mean it wasn't supernatural the only supernatural thing and it was a fucking dog that dog was not following its nature it was the fucking i've never seen a dog like intently chase one person like that but okay it was a plot device and it was a, a nod and so I got that but I felt like that felt too long more than the crane shot felt too long um it's been an awesome soundtrack to that but um I, I get what he's going for visually but I don't know that I would have gone to all that work so the thing is this like as far as Argento films this is my favorite um hmm. And uh, I like, you know, the John Saxon return. There was just a lot of nods to the original roots of Jalo, and and you can't deny that, and you can't, you know, put that away. Like it's so important, and uh, we had great acting from really everybody, and mm-hmm. um, I can't complain about anybody's acting. Um, the twist is always fun seeing Anthony Francis go from being. You know, this kind of like smug writer guy who's confused to this like when, when he, at the end he kind of breaks and he goes insane. Um, <laughs> it's it's neat because he's kind of like huddle on the floor, rocking back and forth. I mean, it was a really great performance. It was like up to an eleven the whole time and whatever he was doing. So I really enjoyed it. But the, that part at the end that was great. But yeah, the killer sculpture. Yeah, it, I was like Erica. Yeah, yeah, I saw that and I'm like, that's gonna kill somebody. Just waiting for it, and and good because they should they deserve it for being near that fucking thing. <laughs> Get near that fucking thing. Somebody had that in their house. I'm like, I'm gonna die here. But anyway, um, so yeah, so for it's it's uh, reverence and and um, nostalgia and and nod to the original Jalo movement and 
for just really everything score. I have to give it the 9.5 just because there's a couple parts where I'm just like, that is so fuck. How the cops miss that? You know, it's like, there's no way. Even like the most bumbling doofus idiot of a cop is going to miss an, an axe right there. It's not even hidden. It's just <laughs> there in a tree. Like, oh, decorative choice. Hmm, nothing to do with the murders, though. <laughs> yeah, unless he's like making some commentary about Italian police being like just really bad at their job. Well, yeah, because he's got, with Germani, like, yeah, he kind of makes him like, I'm, a, I'm an official cop guy, but he's kind of like, I never know who the murderers are. Like, should you have chosen to be a cop? I don't know. I don't know if this is the job for you, bud. I like You're you, but, field. you know. <laughs> right. But, I mean, I think that that's part of the charm is, like, this guy thinks he's on top of it the whole time. I can never figure out the murders in these books, but I've got this. I've got this. No, you know, buddy. No, you know. So, for just a couple minor things, I, I took off Half Star, but 9.5 out of 10 ugly deadly sculptures all right go ahead erica um i'm going to go with um 8.5 out of 10 um i'm like a much bigger fan of argento's supernatural films like suspiria phenomenon inferno um i i do like his straight up giallo films as one as well um but i mean this film was still you know when he was doing peak work um so you know it it has all the elements i like in his other films of that general time period there's like just great visual style like a consistent color palette uh, great camera work really really inventive kills um and honestly i don't watch argento films for plot or for them being super logical or coherent so um yeah yeah there are there are like some glaring plot holes in this that are more glaring because it's not supernatural but it's like i i don't watch it for that anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah this is this is solid it was it was fun to uh revisit this uh this film <laughs> yeah that's what what you say about plot holes that's me when i watch friday the 13th <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not watching it for plot. I'm not watching it for anything deep. Just give me some kills. And... There's a Friday Thirteenth one. Um, I don't think any of the movies has a plot. <laughs> it's there somewhere. I'm sure. It's minimal, maybe. <laughs> I'll have to trust you. Um, so I'm gonna split the difference right between you guys and give it a nine out of ten. Uh, pages in the mouth. Uh, this I was actually pleasantly surprised because you know going into this after you know a couple other giallo films that I've watched and and settling down to watch this and I'm you know I was kind of I don't want to say dreading it but I'm kind of like I already know I'm not gonna enjoy this (laughs) and you know I I was surprised and and I actually really did enjoy it Uh, the one thing I noticed um, being a newcomer to uh, giallo is the use of colors, um, especially with Argento, um, just very striking. Um, and it was this, along with the other films of his that I've watched, they're all visually stunning. Um, and with this, we had great cinematography, a great soundtrack. The kills were on par. Jane's Jane's death was amazing. Um, and the acting was great, you know, and, and you get to see John Saxon in all of his glory. Um, and I just, I really enjoyed it. Um, 
have watched it a couple of times since the first time I watched it and I've enjoyed it every single time. So nine out of 10 pages in the mouth. So, I mean, I think we can agree it was a really solid effort um, for Argento. And, you know, in episodes to come, we will be talking about, you know, some other giallo because um, I've been pressing it on to people. But the difference between giallo and Italian horror, which uh, those lines can get blurred for people, we're going to establish what the difference is, um, things like that. But I think, you know, overall, like, yeah, favorable. We, we, we recommend it, basically. So if you haven't seen it. And for those of you who requested this episode, thank you. Yeah, definitely. And, and reach out and let us know uh, why you enjoy it. Yeah, because I, I just, I love talking about this movie. I just want to make sure I wasn't the only one I was talking over everybody because I get, like, super excited. But uh, I think I did well. But, uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to have a lot of interesting things coming up on the show. Um, and you're going to notice some some tone changes, and that's okay because it's all good things. But uh, I'm just glad we could we could talk about Tenebrae tonight. Um, I, I, I do want listeners to know I put this off for two and a half months because I was an, unable to do it. And I said, there's no fucking way because you're going to do this show without me. So we're going to wait until I'm ready. And so here we are. I put it off for so long because I had to be here for it. And um, yeah, so uh, also... Um, I like to do a C also when we do any Jala films because obviously I can't cover all of them. But um, just go back and, and watch some early Baba films, uh, Mario mm-hmm. Baba, not Lamberto because that was later. Um, you know, you're going to see what Tenebrae is sort of referencing and, you know, the inspirations that got Argento to go and, and, and sort of uh, mainstream Jala films. Um, but they got mainstreamed in a way that kind of took away what Jalo really was. It's because he did all the supernatural stuff that got it mainstream. And I'm like, that's not really what, it was what Jalo became, but it's not what it really was. So this is more of an actual Jalo film. Diatribe over on that, but. Uh... Well, and, I'd, and I would like to uh, add to that. Like if you are gonna watch this, watch the last drive-in version. Because yeah. you get all of that great insight, that Joe Bob insight. And then you get an awesome acapella of yeah. of the song at the end, which so is funny. fucking, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's it it definitely it made me appreciate it more watching. Which and I think a lot of films I appreciate more when I watch them on the last drive-in because you get all of that insight, and sometimes you get interviews with directors or you know uh, actors and actresses and things like that. Um, and it just it it makes it more enjoyable for me. You know, someone who doesn't necessarily watch films in this genre and to hear all of that, that insight, you know, it, it kind of makes it feel um, more special. Well, and with Joe Bob and Darcy both being such big Jalo fans and Italian mm-hmm. horror fans, they bring a lot to the table. Yeah. And so. before we go, if I could make a request, um, since we held off for so long to do this for you. I know that we skipped doing House by the Cemetery. Oh, I was going to say that's next. That's where I was going to talk about the difference between Italian horror and giallo. Good, because I'd really like to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, so that that's absolutely next, because that's what I requested. I said there, there were a couple movies that I wanted to do that I put off for so long, and they're going to be the next ones. But after that, floor is open. 
Because nice. um, I, I put off the um, Tenebrae and House by the Cemetery specifically for selfish reasons because I wanted to be on them and I couldn't at the time. So now that I'm well and I can, we will. We, we knocked out Tenebrae tonight and we're going to do House by the Cemetery next. Awesome. And I'm ready because we know awesome. I love Skull <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of people are excited for that one too. So uh, it, it's it's nice to be able to to share that love. So uh, at this time, we will do plugs. Erica, would you like to go first? Uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, at My Horrific Life. Please also check out Final Girl Cosmetics. We've got our like classic lipstick colors back in stock uh, and some other goodies. Uh, the Iskanov Dreamscape palette still available. Uh, all of any funds from that will help my friend Andre Iskanov with just basic life expenses because things are rough. <laughs> Uh, for him now and for a lot of people <laughs> yeah and that's at finalgirlcosmetics.makeup and um, I'm telling you now the Iskanob Dreamscape palette oh my god I pretty much exclusively use it these days I don't have any makeup on tonight but usually I'm, mm -hmm. I'm wearing that like when I went on my trip I took only that I was like everything I need is there so it's totally worth it and uh, yeah I'm gonna just back her up on that now go out and buy it Please buy it for so many reasons. There's a million reasons to buy it. Now, Erica, and I can edit this out, but how is how are things over there in Russia? Like, did he have to get, uh, I know that they did like the draft and all that stuff. Yeah, so he's still, still avoiding, you know, that, but they are like, it seems like the recruiters are so desperate just to send people off to die. Like they're stopping people just going into grocery stores. And I mean, it's, it's, it's Jeez. just crazy. Uh, yeah. I had, I had read an article yesterday that talked about how they're, they're taking these diseased prisoners mm -hmm. who, who base, who basically like, they're just, they're going to end up dying in prison anyway. And they're sending them to the front lines. Oh, geez. And yeah, I'm just like, what the That's fuck? so terrible. Yeah. That's, yeah, that sucks. That's got to be a scary situation to be in. Yeah, it's, uh, I really wish he could just get out of that country, but I know there's a lot of barriers for him, like between his health, his mom's health, um, you know, just the logistics of, you know, getting out, like finding a border that will, you know, let Russians across um he lives right next to the chinese border but they they aren't accepting russians currently oh, wow oh, their covid uh it's their their covid restrictions so yeah Jeez. so awful yeah <laughs> well god i don't even know how to follow up on that um you go next yeah i mean you can find me at uh house underscore screams on twitter uh i kind of pop in and out and we share the share the social media duties on twitter so if you need to get a hold of me that's where you can find me and same goes for me we kind of uh co-run that um but i do have a link tree it's link tree slash candy the final girl you're gonna find links to final girl cosmetics uh which eric and i run you can find uh, links to the podcast. Uh, obviously, you've already found the podcast, but, you know, should you need to let anyone else know. Um, 
So yeah, House underscore Screams on Twitter, um, on Instagram, which I'm very active on. It's uh, Candy the Final Girl, but the link tree has everything and all of our friends that we support, and uh, just really everything is in that. It's so long, and uh, but it's it's useful knowledge. And so we will continue to talk about Jala. We will continue to talk about Italian horror and some other surprises coming up. So stay tuned. Awesome. Have a good night. Thank you. Take care. Love you guys. Good to see you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.